Uh, we've been introducing uh, the first nine chapters of Proverbs are uh, the, the writer, this father figure, Solomon, uh, wanting to plea with us to listen to him and to take notice and to care about wisdom. Um, and so we spent two weeks kind of reviewing different sections in those first nine chapters. And now for the next 12 weeks, we're going to look at the particulars of wisdom. Um, and tonight, uh, I told you, I led you astray, I told you that we were going to begin talking about sex because the Proverbs talk a lot about sex. Um, but I figured it'd be better to start that on Valentine's Day. So we're going to start that in a couple weeks. And uh, tonight we're going to talk about friendships. Um, you know, people have made the joke, maybe you've heard it, that Jesus' greatest miracle is that he had 12 friends at the age of 30. And I think that's pretty true. And I don't know about you, um, but I, I read a lot and I know a lot and hear a lot about loneliness, right? Um, I don't think I need to hammer home um, how prevalent the topic of friendship is for us. Um, as someone has said, we're living in a digital time where we are alone together. And you feel it all the more. We're connected to one, one another digitally. We're connected to one another on, online. In college in particular, we're connected to one another really in proximity. Definitely at TU where you like walk past the same 17 people every day at the same time. We see people we don't want to see. We're connected to one another, yet we're really alone. We struggle to make friends. We struggle to keep friends. And if we do have friends, we, we struggle to make those friendships more meaningful and deep. Though we yearn for it and we want it. Um, and tonight we're going to look through a, a handful of different Proverbs, which you'll find uh, on the bulletin if you have it. Oh, we can pass this around. Um, and we uh, will kind of go through them one by one. Because the Proverbs do have a lot to say. I just, I just selected six of them. Proverbs do a lot to say about friendships, and I really think that these Proverbs in particular are going to point out the challenges that we face in our friendships and also the keys uh, to having good friends. Um, and I want that for you. I want that for you. And so let's just begin uh, with the first one. There's going to be four different points. Uh, it'll be one of my shorter sermons, and I really hope to kind of break up into uh, groups and to talk about it um, and see what, what's relevant and what's some things that you can put into practice. In fact, here's what I encourage you to do. Um, we're going to, after this, we'll have one more song. If you, I know that friendships, sometimes it needs some particulars and you want to work through something in particular. I encourage you to text me. If you have my number, uh, feel free to text me if there's questions that come up. And maybe I'll spend five to ten minutes afterwards uh, answering some questions about some relationship struggles you might be going through. Um, so the first thing we learn um, is the fewer the better. The fewer the better. The first proverb is eight, chapter 18, verse 24. A man of many companions will come to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Uh, my, my, my brother uh, is, was a really high achiever, is a really high achiever, has, has been, become very successful. I, I, he will probably be the mayor of the city one day. Um, he has made a really big name for himself, and he went to the school, and a few years ago... Uh, they awarded him, and I went to the award show, and it was around the time of uh, graduation, and so they're also at this award show. They gave some awards to different seniors uh, who really excelled, and you know, you could tell a lot about a community uh, through the sort of people that they praise and, and, and admire, and I remember one of the seniors that got up and was awarded 
Um, this, this lady, uh, she was a double major. She was a president of her sorority. She was in charge with a handful of other clubs. She maintained a 4.0 somehow through it all. She did a bunch of community service, and they continued to rattle off all these impressive things about her resume. And um, everyone applauded her. And I remember thinking to myself, that poor woman, she must be so miserable. She must be so lonely, and here she is getting this positive feedback, and it's making her stuck in this cycle. You know, I truly, I, I really think if I were to give out an award, I would give it to whoever of you gets about a 2.8, has a couple of really good godly friends, and is happy. That's who I would say, you did it. You did it. And that's what this proverb is teaching. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And there's also the other person who chooses the other route to pursue the many companions who ends up in ruin. <clears throat> and laws, as I've mentioned, or uh, proverbs, as I've mentioned, are not laws. They're not absolutes. They're not um, equations. It's not saying that if you have many companions, you will be miserable. And it's not saying that if you just have a few good friends, you'll be happy. It's wisdom. It's, it's poking at our desires. It's, it's making us ask ourselves some hard questions. Do you want to be a person with many companions? Do you, do you desire public recognition? Do you desire pats on the back from people you don't know? Do you desire and prioritize surface-level relationships that might help you professionally? Or do you desire to be a friend to a couple people? Experiencing the intimacy and the joys and the sorrows that come from those relationships. You know, there are outliers to what I'm about to say, um, to be sure, but I believe that many of you experience loneliness because, um, and you've heard me talk about this, but you experience loneliness because you are far too overcommitted. You're driven to get super involved with all sorts of things thinking that that will make you feel more connected, yet it makes you feel more isolated and alone. Because what does this proverb teach? The more companions you have, the less time you actually have for anybody. And the lonelier you are. You know, I think in America, we desire a lot of wrong things. Um, I think we're trained and discipled by different, different influences around us that teach us and build us up in wrong ways. I don't think that desiring close friendships is at the top of the list. That this school in particular, really any school, and really anybody, really in, in encourage you toward. I, I think I see it all the time. People leave their close friends for jobs. I see people uh, no longer, uh, you don't want to hang out with a particular group of people anymore. You'd rather attend something that might be a little bit bigger and more exciting. You'd rather go to an event um, that you might not even like passing up opportunities for small, intimate, ordinary hangouts. Because you enjoy what might come with that. The recognition. The experience. You know, often we, we, and we were talking about this in the class on Monday, this whole idea of being alone together. That You know, you walk into a, a coffee shop like the Starbucks I just found out it's on campus eight days ago. Um, somehow I missed that memo. I think I've been there every day since. Um, and here we are, we're scrolling and we're connected online 
yet miserable and alone physically next to someone that we could have befriended. I just think too many of you are lonely because you're so over-involved. Without you really even thinking about it, you're striving towards the TU Senior Award Show where you might be applauded by 137 strangers that you'll never see again. And that's the primary driver that's pushing you out into life. You desire many companions and you're in ruins. And this proverb speaks into that and says, the fewer the better. Stick close to a friend. And they will be closer than a brother. So stick close to a friend. Next, it matters what type of friend that person is, right? Don't stick close to any friend, which is the second point. The character of your friends, which is the second proverb. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companions of fools will suffer harm. Again, there are always outliers. Um, These aren't laws. But you really are your friends, and your friends really are you. You begin to act the same way. You know, I don't know if you went to the Zach Winters concert, but for the next three days, I talked like a New Zealand guy. Because if you weren't there, that's what he talked like the whole time. You imitate your friends. Your lifestyle becomes the same as the people that you're closest with. Your desires are shared. Your your interests, all these things, you all start to morph into one another. And then before you know it, you're not quite sure who's influencing who. Um, That was my experience in seventh grade when I got wrapped up into a, a really bad group of friends. And next thing, who, who by, the, by the time of eighth grade, everyone was taking mushrooms and smoking pot and drinking beer. And here I am, and I became a fool and was in ruin. You are your friendships. Um, I know that there's some old saying out there. You could tell the character of a person by the few people they surround themselves with. And it's true. And I get, like on the other end of that, many of you are intentionally trying to live around and with people who might not be the best influence um, out of a desire to be a person of love to that person. And that's great, and that's a separate conversation. But what I often see is you become like your friends and your friends become like you. And so my question that this proverb really asks is, do you have friends that are influencing you toward the TU Senior Night? Or do you have friends that are influencing you toward finding rest in Christ? Do you have friends who are asking you how you're treating... Hey guys, do you have friends who are asking you how you're treating your girlfriend? Are they encouraging you toward sexual wholeness? Or are your companions people who objectify, belittle, and make sexual jokes about them? Do you have friends that push you toward godliness or do they push you toward a life of YOLO? Do you have friends that you love to gossip with or do you have friends that pursue integrity and wholesome speech? Do you have friends that know how to laugh and have a good time or are your friends only able to come alive when they're drunk? Who are the people that you've surrounded yourself with? You are significantly influenced by the character of your friends. 
And this proverb encourages us to choose them wisely. Stick close to a friend and make sure that friend is not a fool because you will become a fool. And then once you've found some friends, um, how, how do those friendships grow? So many of you have friends, and it's great. How do your friendships grow? This is the third proverb. Um, and, and the point here is that they grow, um, and you are only in charge of you, of your side of that. So that's what I, I want to talk about. Um, I, I don't know, uh, I know I, la- I think last week I actually gave a driving example. Um, I'm in the car a lot. You know, if, if there's a lot of things, kind of chaotic things going on in the car, um, my first time I ever drove, this is a true story, I was 16 years old and we were all going downtown to Kansas City, I, I grew up in Kansas City, and, um, and I'm on the highway and my mom and dad and my brother are in the car and there is a, like the, that concrete panel on the side of the highway and then there's like five semi-trucks in the other lane, it's a two-way highway and like... <laughs> There wasn't a word. Like everyone's just holding their breath. Um, and if I were to have looked around at my surroundings, like um, I wouldn't be here today. Um, and in those moments, what do you what do you, what do you realize? Um, you're only really in control of a few things. You're in control of the steering wheel, and you're really not that much in control of that too. Like that could go crazy. And you're in control of of your pedals, right? If I were to focus on all the things that are out of my control, the weather, the cars, the side, if you start focusing on all the things that are out of your control, um, you get really anxious and things go downhill. And what this next proverb is going to teach us um, is that you are not in control of how your friends treat you. You're not in control of what people think of you. Some people aren't going to like you. Some people are too busy to have the depth of relationship that you desire. That's out of your control. Some people are immature. Everybody in this room is selfish. Some people struggle to work through conflict. You aren't in control of how your friends are responding or acting. There's only one thing that you're in control of. That's what Proverbs 17.17 teaches us. You're in control of being a friend who loves at all times. A brother is born for adversity. How, do you, how does your friendship grow? Through adversity. Through adversity. And you're only in charge of your side of that. Um, the hardest part about friendship is this. No matter how someone's responding to you, we, God calls us, to love them at all times. And we're going to talk about this in a minute, um, but that does not mean, uh, what that does mean sometimes is that loving someone means drawing a really strong boundary and cutting off interaction. But this does not mean, uh, this proverb does not mean that we stick it out, that we are, are it continue in a relationship with someone who's treating us like crap. But what I see um, many of y'all doing is you're frustrated or you're sad or you're impatient about the state of relationships, maybe the shallowness of your relationships. And then when things in your relationships get hard, you either don't talk about it or you, you end the relationship and you kind of walk away and try to find new friends where things are going to be a little bit easier. 
And you can skirt through all four years of college and get to the end and realize you don't have a single deep friend. Because once you had you know, a little bit of conflict with so-and-so, you left and you tried to find a new one. And the same thing happens because you're, you're actually not learning how to work through conflict. You're not actually giving an opportunity for depth because depth comes through adversity. The way friendships grow is through your persistence in loving them, not ending things. A healthy friendship is created and cultivated when you, not the person that you hope is listening right now, when you walk side by side with someone through the thick and the thin, through the good and the bad. Um, Several years ago, my wife and I, we just could not get along for the life of us. And... um, they knew it that we were probably in a week-long fight. Our fights, our conflict used to draw out for so long, and then we got a lot of help. Um, and so now it's only like a day. Um, but, but we were in this like week-long, just terrible fight, and our friends, unannounced, showed up at our house uh, with a meal and that they had cooked for us. Um, and they sat down and... They listened to us. They asked us good questions. It helps that one of them is a psychiatrist. Um, They asked us really good questions. And they prayed with us. They set aside all the stuff that was going on in their day. And they, they came. And we were like, dang, we were probably weighing them down so much. And our friendship deepened through that adversity. Because they pursued us when the going got tough. And a a brother was born. A brother was born. That's what this teaches. A friend loves at all times. So as you work through adversity and you grow in your persistent love for friends, you will have deeper relationships. If you're in the middle of of a relationship right now and it's just really hard, talk about it. Talk about it. Don't give up. A brother is born through adversity, for adversity. Um, and as your relationship gets deeper, this is the last point, there comes a point um, where trust is built and you can begin to actually be the person who's helping the other person grow. And that process is through speaking things to them that they might not want to hear. Um, And that's the fourth point. We become friends who speak the truth. And there's a couple proverbs uh, that I selected that make this point. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from what? From his always accepting, never commenting words? No. The sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest, honest counsel. And then one you've probably heard of before, iron sharpens iron just as one man sharpens another. Um, You know, one of the things that we believe and we talk a lot about in RUF um, is that growth in Christ goes through the cross. That we die with Him to be raised with Him. That this this is an ongoing, regular death and resurrection. And, and the word that we, we describe that death as is repentance. It's, it's, it, it's a growing awareness of, an acknowledgement of, 
whatever wrongdoing you're in, and then a turning and a commitment back towards obedience, back towards Jesus. This is a death. This is a death in, in life. And so the more that we can become aware and acknowledge our stuff, it's for the better, right? Right? Like it's good to, to acknowledge and to turn from, like we'll, we'll become more like Jesus, we'll become more of a loving person, right? Um, but here's the problem. We love to critically assess other people. Um, and then when we turn that assessment inward, uh, we're not as honest. We're not as critical. We can't see ourselves very clearly. Um, and so what do we do? We have a trusted friend who we can ask, what's it like to be around me? What do you see in my life? Where, where am I going astray that I'm just blind to? I remember uh, reading um, a book probably a year ago called Man of Courage, a couple of years ago. I've read it with a handful of you. Um, and, and one of the things they ask you to do is to go and ask your wife, what's it like to live with me? What's it like to be married to me? And then listen and shut up. Um, and so I've done that once and I'll never do it again. Um, <laughs> it's a scary thing, isn't it? Do you have a friend in your life who, who just applauses you, just kisses you, figuratively speaking, um, or do you have a, a friend who's faithful enough to wound you so that you might be more of a loving person, you might be more into the image of Jesus? Um, you know, and there's, there's something to the trust thing, like, y'all don't know me. You know, you know kind of, you kind of know me a little bit. Um, if I were to ask you to do that, it's not the right person to ask because um, you don't know me. So I ask, I ask my wife, I know, I ask my, my kids, I ask my, my best friends, and they help me die with Christ so that I can be raised with Him. They wound me and they counsel me and they call out my crap. You know, my hope for all of you is that you will have a couple of trusted people by the time that you graduate, that you have a couple of trusted people who are sticky friends, people who will love you at all times, people that you trust people that are willing to call you out on your stuff. And not just call you out on your stuff, people who are vulnerable enough to call you out on the good they see. They encourage you. You know, the other side of, of, um, of this is um, when friends, you know, oftentimes, and maybe one of you have asked a question already, when friends are in sin, or doing something that you're really concerned about. And you know, how do you approach that person? How do you talk to that person? What, what should you do? And so what I really want to communicate is that there needs to be a level of trust to get to this point where you're calling them out. And there needs to be a unified understanding that we are both trying to pursue life with Christ. Um, there can become a point in your relationships where you can faithfully, and I was just talking to someone about this the other day, where you can faithfully just make some observations. Hey, when you did that, 
it made me feel this way. Um, hey, when you do that, it makes me feel a bit uncomfortable. You can just kind of speak for yourself. You don't have to make, that's not a judgment. You just tell them how that makes you feel. That's a faithful friend who's willing to wound somebody instead of applause them for their good and for the good of your relationship that you might be able to work through some stuff. That's the adversity. That's the faithfulness that this is talking about. And so you might be asking yourself, how in the world would I ever do that? How could I ever do that? How, how can I ever get to a point where I'm confident enough to move towards this person or say this particular thing? And this is where our Christian faith really, really comes in because I truly deep down believe that there's, there's only one way. And that is if you are anchored in something outside of that relationship. If that friendship is a necessity, if you need it, if that is your only hope, if that person is your anchor, you will not say the thing that you ought to say because you are scared that they might run away. But if you're anchored with something outside of that relationship, you are free to move toward that person with honesty and courage. And that person outside the relationship, we, we believe, is, is Jesus. That God is our friend through Christ. That He is the one who sticks closer to us. That He is the one who loves us and He endures all of our crap. You know, in a few weeks you're going to read um, in, in your small groups in Romans 8 as you get to the end of the chapter that Paul proclaims there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God, neither death nor life nor angels or rulers nor things present or things to come nor height, nor depth, or anything in all creation. Nothing will separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. He is someone who sticks closer than a brother. He is someone who loves at all times. He stays close through adversity. He is our friend. He is our anchor. He is the one who gives us the security and the courage we need to move towards our friends. He's the one who helps us persist. He's the one... And those, those of you who are feeling lonely and feeling friendless, He is the friend that you need and the one who gives you the hope that there is a brighter day to come. Do you know this Jesus? Um, I pray as you continue to come around RUF that you do and you will and you'll grow in love with Him. Let me pray for us and we'll sing one last song. Uh, Lord, we do love you and we trust you. We thank you for these Proverbs and how they, they guide us. And I pray that we would be good friends, that we would stick close to people, that we would work through conflict, and that that, that adversity would uh, deepen our friendships. That we, um, for those of us who are scared to say that thing, that you would give us the courage, that you would remind us that it's good for us to say it. It's loving of us to say it. I pray that we would be a people who speak truth, but also that we would encourage and build one another up. Um, Lord, I ask all these things in your name. Amen. Okay, we're going to sing a final song called We Will Feast, which